Hey, welcome to the Protectors. Great guest today, Sean Parnell. We've been in contact. We've been friends for a long time now, um, ever since book one or probably even before that. I don't even know, man. It's been a while. But Sean, welcome to the show, man. Hey, how's it going, man? Good to be back. It's great to be, have you back on, man. I think the last time you were on was when I was still doing audio, and that was sometime in 2019 in the beginning of the yeah. year. So I really appreciate you coming on now. We're the full spectrum Protectors. We are doing everything from, you know, Roku to YouTube to Amazon Fire TV. And this is it, bro. This is this a life. Two veterans talking full, full about, spectrum, you know, good stuff. Operations, bro. That's how it goes. <laughs> it is, man. Operation. What was that old infantry adage where you always improve your fighting position? I guess that's the truth when it comes to podcasting. I, absolutely right, man. That's it. Like just default aggressive all the time, you know? Yeah, man. Let's let's jump right into that, man. You and I both went to. Uh, when did you go to IOBC? I didn't actually. The whole there's a whole story there. I well, mean, let's I talk to... about it, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I joined I joined the military after nine eleven, and, yeah. and I, I don't come from a long line of military generals or whatever in my family. I just was an elementary education major, and joined the military. Said I wanted to to go into the infantry and then airborne school and ranger school and do all that cool sexy stuff. And I ended up staying in college and, and uh, joined the ROTC program, but I didn't get branched infantry. I got branched air defense artillery, even oh, though yeah. I, I know, I know. And I was, I was so angry. I mean, even though I was a top, uh, the top third of what they call it, or in the top uh -huh. of my, class, you know, GPA, ROTC, advanced camp, whatever. Um, and I went to my battalion commander and said, sir, like, what the heck is this? Like, I joined this, all of this was because I wanted to join the infantry. And he said, oh, well, you know, we need good officers in all branches. And they had just, the U.S. Army Accessions Command as uh -huh. well, had just changed the accessions process. And I got branched into air defense artillery. And while the people there, and, the, and it's, a, it's the people there were great. And the air defense yeah. artillery officer base, of course, was great. But I was branched, what they call SHORAD, like short-range air defense. Yeah. That was, good, that was going away. So I was branched into what we all joked around at the time and and in ADA OBC was we branched into a dead branch, you know? Mm -hmm. And then but every week on the week, you know, probably from the time that I was branched um air defense artillery, I submitted like a 4187 branch transfer packet. And the military doesn't grant new officers branch transfers like ever, right? Because they know that if they have to do it for one, they have to do it for everybody. And so I ended up going to ADA OBC, was the honor grad there, went to airborne school on air defense artillery's dime, but all the while just kept submitting those branch transfer packets. And I went home in Christmas over Christmas and just sort of gave up on it. I said, you know what? I got one more packet. I submitted it, um, went through all of Christmas. It was the day before I was supposed to PCS uh, to Fort Campbell, Kentucky as an air defense artillery uh, officer, young second lieutenant. And the day before I was supposed to move, I got a call from the infantry and they said, congratulations, your branch transfer has been approved. You're going to ranger school in two months or no, in, 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 in one month. And I, I thought to myself, oh my God, I must've annoyed these people so much that they just figure what the hell will branch this guy infantry if he just shuts up. Sort of like, sort of like Shawshank, right? Where 
how he's like, Dufresne is like writing letters to fund their library, uh, their prison library, like every week. That's sort of what I did with my branch transfer pack. And I eventually got infantry and went to ranger school and uh, promptly failed my first time through. So <laughs> that's a great story, man. Because like when I first joined the army as an enlisted dude back in the 90s, I joined as a reservist. And this is back when infantry used to be in reserves. <laughs> And I didn't know anything, man. I'm just a young kid, 19, 20 years old. And it was mechanized infantry. And I joined as an 11 Charlie Mortarman. So I go to the, the CO and I'm like, hey, when can I go to ranger school? And he's like, <laughs> really? He's like, we're a mech. We never get those. So I, I ended up going active duty. And when I went active duty, the, the only thing they had open was like September 21st or something when I joined, end of the fiscal year. <laughs> artillery and carpenter or something like that. I'm like, I took artillery, man. So later on, when I had the opportunity to branch, I branched infantry. So, uh, good times, man. And I was at IOBC during September 11th. So it was, uh, yeah, that's crazy, man. I mean, yeah, man. I, yeah. I, I mean, and then, so I, I fought, I remember thinking like I fought very hard to get into the infantry and end up in Afghanistan on the front lines. And we just got thrown into the meat grinder, man. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking, like, laying in a trench on the border of, of Pakistan, right? I could see Pakistan. It was probably about one kilometer from where I was from. And I'm thinking, like, like I asked for this. What the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like, I asked for the infantry. Oh, my God. You know, and, and so, man, if you sign up for the infantry, you do. You sign up for the suck, you know, for sure, for sure. I remember, man, when we graduated, because, you know, we started IOBC in June of 2001. Go through 9-11. Um, we did our mount training. We were actually in the field ready to go to do mount, mission-oriented urban training. That's what it's called. Um, back, and then we were out in the field for five days after the towers were attacked that morning. So we had no idea what was going on. There was This was before social media and everything. And, uh, man, just looking around, knowing all of my classmates, would go to war. And then I eventually, I was an IRR guy, eventually got called up and sent too. And it was just crazy to think that you go from, you know, one month you're at a peacetime army, the next month you're, you know, every single one of those guys, 99% of them probably went to war. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It was a crazy time, man. And, you know, it galvanized an entire generation of warriors to get into the fight. Mm -hmm. That is for sure. Um, I can't believe we lived through it. And, you know, it's a, it's a shame. We talk to kids today who are like 18. They'll, they'll say like, I'll say like, would you talk about it in class? Right. And yeah. they'll be like, well, I was in, you know, second grade when it happened or something, you know, or I, I was know, man, then it'll be like, yeah, it's a couple pages in my history book. And I'm like, I know, man. Well, that's what history book. That's what I'm glad that, you know, we, we have a ton of SF stories to a ton of the soft community. And that's what I like about your first book, Outlaw Platoon, is because we need the ground perspective. And I think we always do, man. Because, you know, growing up, I always bring my adage of being, because I'm closer to 50 than I am 40 now. About, but we didn't have what kids have nowadays. They have YouTube. They have all this other right, stuff. Right, right. But when it comes to actual books, you know, when it was my age, we had like long-range reconnaissance patrol books. And a few sniper books out there. Well, there's nothing really telling us what it was like to be in a modern type era war, man. So I really appreciate you doing that book. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, I didn't come out of the military. I mean, I what's crazy about my experience is, you know, I left the military 
unexpectedly. Like I went in intending to join special forces and make it a career and eventually mm-hmm. try out the Delta. And I actually got uh, like one of those Delta recruiting emails just before yeah. I was forced out medically retired, but I left the military broken, broken. And I didn't really have another mission or another career in mind. Um, and that's sort of, I don't know, just like laying in bed one day thinking like, like trying to get to sleep, you know, a lot of sleepless nights when you come back from war, but thinking like, I, what's my next mission? And it just dawned on me. And it was telling the story of, of my troops, like trying to figure out a way to make sure that their story was told. And, um, you know, and it was because my guys would come home on R&R leave and um, Americans just didn't even like seem to remember that a war in Afghanistan was going on, you know? All they get is just, oh, thank God you're not in Iraq because Iraq is just so dangerous. And my, tr- my my guys would be like, well, oh, my God, like I just got shot in the, hell lo- in, in the head last week. You know, Afghanistan's hell. Um, and so that's why I started writing it. I had no idea what the book would do. I didn't even know that I'd be able to get it published. In fact, I was rejected by my own literary agent a couple times. And I, w- I was rejected by every major publisher. Um and I had almost given up and I just got this random call from a publisher uh, whose editor was on vacation and said, hey, I'm sure I'm late to the punch on this and it's already been snatched up, but any chance Outlaw Platoon is still available? And we were like, yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so, And then Outlaw Platoon came out and it, in its first week, man, it just took off. And something about that story is just um, resonates with Americans uh, of all you know, political walks of life, you know, men and women alike, you know, young and old. And, you know, it's not like a, it doesn't have like an agenda. It's just the human story. Like what's it like on the ground An unvarnished look, you know, and, you know, because I think that the American people deserve the truth and, and I didn't expect the book to go anywhere, but it did. And it, and it's still, and I still get messages every day from people that say, Man, that that book just that book affected me deeply, and so I'm I'm I consider myself very blessed to have had that opportunity. We need ground truth, brother. Always need ground truth. I always tell that. I mean, we'll get into it a little bit later on with a, a different podcast at a different time. Where we don't talk about politics at this one, but I want to. But yeah, brother, um, so much to say, and that's when you know, and we'll jump right into the fiction world. You know, one thing about writing a nonfiction, it is very you know, it's, it's, it's facts. Um, you tell the facts the way they are. You can't change the story, but one thing about fiction and one thing I love about fiction and I can't write the right mind is you could fix those wrongs in your life. Those wrongs that you can, you know, one of your, one of your friends died, someone got hurt. You could fix it in a book. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the new books. Um, not the new books. Hold on a second. Let's talk about the new book. I've actually got an advanced copy. Thanks that's your publisher. One bad. true patriot, brother. One true patriot. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the difference between this book and the other books and definitely get into the how um, Steele has developed into himself. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I guess, you know, as a fiction writer, you know, one of the most, it's, it's totally different from nonfiction, but you just try to get better, a little bit better every book. Um, the first two books, I'm I'm so proud of them, you know, but I look back on Man of War, which is my first book, and then All Out War is my second book, and, I, and I'll reread them or reread parts uh, because, you know, it's like, it's like being in the military. Like anytime you complete an op, you want to do like what's called an AAR, an after action review on 
what you could improve and what you can, you know, do better moving forward and, and how. And so, I mean, I, I read those books and I think, well, man, I could have done this scene a little bit better or I wish I would have done this here. Oh man, if I had made this decision, this character, th this character would be so much better. And so you just try to take those lessons and put them in the next book, you know, and implement them uh, in the next book. And, and one true patriot, I think it's just, it's just the the biggest story that I've that I've ever done. If that makes sense, like it's just, it's you know, Man of War and All Out War are just like, I feel like balls to the wall action the whole time, you know. Uh, but a lot happens off the page, um, or a lot happens in between the gunfights, I should say. In, in one true patriot. I think that it's, it's a bigger book, um, a more fulfilling story, uh, more well-developed characters. It's just, I just, I'm, I just think it's, it's the best story that I, that I've ever, that I've ever written. And, you know, I've got characters in there that sort of embody the tragic plight of veterans when they come home. Um, you know, in fact, all of my stories are sort of seen through that prism, you know, and, and every character is sort of shaped in that way. Um, you know, but obviously like my experience in Afghanistan shaped me and the experiences that, uh, uh, after my time in the military did as well. And so you can't help, but as a writer to just sort of those, those experiences are mirrored in the writing. And so I I'm, I'm super psyched, man. I love one true Patriot. I think it's, it's just a great book. I'm just excited to get it out there. Your true life experience into the book is something only someone that's lived it can do. You probably heard that a million times. The new crop, or I, should, or I should say the new generation of authors, the Jack Cars, the Sean yeah. Parnells, the, the Brad Taylors, these are all the post 9-11 generation. And you bring a specific, um, uh, what's a good word for that? Like a, uh, you bring a great characterization of the war and what actually affects the characters to it. And I love that, man. Yeah, you know, you always want you want the books to feel authentic, man. You know, you want them you want them to be authentic, but you also want there to be a good story, right? And you know, and what what makes a good story? Well, a fast moving plot, like real strong characters. Um, and, and so I think you know, in this book, in One True Patriot, you know, Steel faces things that he had never faced before. You know, and in the first book, he and, and even to, in the second book. Uh, to a certain extent, all the way up until uh, the end, um, he's Steel is just this young idealistic guy. You know, he's in uh, that idealism you'd think would be a danger on the battlefield or during operations. Uh, but you know, in other words, like he would Steel's the kind of guy that would deviate from the mission to save somebody. You know, save an innocent person. Uh, sometimes even at risk of not completing the mission, if that makes sense. But Steel always has the tactical acumen and the physical wherewithal to overcome those uh, obstacles. But, um, you know, as you know, you know, military operations, war, combat, and death, they, they take a toll on you, man. So at the end of the second book, at All Out War, Steel was lost a lot. And he's very jaded. And, and he loses even more in this book. And I mean, his back is up against the wall, facing an enemy that the, the likes of which he's never faced before. You know, and, and part of, I think, one of the most important parts uh, about writing a, a fiction book is the villain. And so this time Steele faces a formidable female assassin and he's never faced anything like that before. And she, she is devastatingly effective and Steele loses a lot. And at the end of the book, he's not the same person uh, that he was at the beginning of 
you know, Man of War, his first book. So uh, Steel was a much more, at the end of this book, a much more jaded, much, a, a little bit of a darker character. Still has that idealism within him somewhere, but he just doesn't know how to go back and find it. And that's sort of where this book is. That's the space that it, it exists in. Now, this book is taking Steel across the world, Italy, France, Syria, Obviously, you can't go to Syria, but have you done any like uh, location development? Or are you just kind of yeah? Like, you know? I wish. Oh my gosh, man! If the my <laughs> my books my books happen all like all over the world. Like you know, I I, I liked I like the feel of a story that is like globe trotting, but I don't think there's any way that that I could actually get there. In a perfect world, I would be I'd be hopping on flights. I'd be you know going to France, going to Paris, going to Syria, just so I could, you know, get the sights and sounds and smells down perfectly. But, you know, with three little kids and now running for office, it's just, I wish that that, I wish that I could do it, but I can't. Um, but the internet is, is an amazing thing. And, you know, reading, reading stories or accounts or, or, you know, articles of people that have been there you know, it really helps. And the fact that I've been and traveled really all over the world just as part of my military experience also helps. So I get what it means to have to go to a rapid deployment facility, grab your bags, have an hour to respond, hop on a plane and roll. Like I get what it means. And I know what it smells like to get off of a helicopter in Afghanistan and you smell nothing in, you know, but diesel fuel lingering in the air mixed with blood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I get and understand uh, how that feels. And so I make sure that like, Again, leveraging my own experience uh, uh, with traveling all you know all over the world for the military, um, just trying to make sure that these books, from an environmental standpoint, from a, a scene standpoint, are just are as authentic as humanly possible. Hey, Sean, one true patriot, awesome book, man. I've got it right here. Everybody else needs to get it. Why are you so excited about this book? Uh, well, first of all, you have it. I don't. I I'm, I'm, I wrote the the darn thing, and and I haven't even got a copy. How's it feel? Does it feel nice? It feel, yeah, that looks good. Isn't that cover hot? I love it. it it's and, nice. It's nice. It really is, man. Look, don't don't our children deserve heroes that they can aspire to be like? You know, Eric Steele was inspired by the heroic actions of my men on the battlefield. Right. Every day, I witnessed these young kids perform one triumph of the human spirit after the next. Eric Steele was all of those people in one American loving hero, right? The whole one true patriot, you'll see why the book is titled that way. At some point, things are going to click and you'll be like, that's why the title is what it is. But look, I'm, I'm psyched about the story. I'm proud of it. I think that you'll love it. Um, it's the perfect story, you know, men and women alike. It's the perfect story to just sit down and read, bang it out in a couple of, bang it out in a couple of reads. You can get it anywhere books are sold. You know, and just get it, read it. You'll like it. I, I guarantee it. Yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward. I get so I have so many authors I, on the show. I know you do. I, I love it. I love it. I've so I started. Um, I started getting this this old dad bod in shape using the old gold rock now. <laughs> so I've I've gone to even though I have your book, I'm still going to get the audio book because I whenever I do the rucks now. I'm on the trail for hour and hour and a half. I could throw a, a novel in an audible and I'm like, boom, I love it, man. I'm finally getting knocking out all the books that I haven't been able to get to. Cause if, I'm looking at the shelf that's behind my desk here and it's like just filled with awesome authors that have been on the show. And I, yeah, man. that's where it's at. I mean, for real, I listen to some audio books and they are just, 
man, the production value of these audiobooks in, in this day and age is amazing. And, and All Out War, or Man of War and All Out War, both are incredible audiobooks. And, and One True Patriot will be as well. Yeah, and it, it feels like you're in a movie, brother. I love it. Sure, for sure. Sean, you're a busy man. I appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Jason.